I wish as a boy growing up, more of my history was shown. There was so much missing that could have helped me before I was grown. The history I was taught helped to fill me with anger and pain because it taught me my ancestors were slaves with no name. Captured, kidnapped, traded, taken from their home. That's what I remember when my ancestors were shown. So when it came to history lessons, my interest was none because whenever it covered my ancestors, they were savages and done. But many years after leaving school, my interest started to grow. And that is when I realized there was so much I didn't know. Much of what I was taught in school and told was fact, was really like someone explaining all your life on just one act. There is so much to be proud of, so much that's been achieved. But without going in search of the truth, I would have been deceived. From kings and queens that built great nations, to teachers and scholars that helped our educations. From people who stood up to what they saw was wrong, to people who risked their lives to help the sick get strong. From warriors that fought with so much pride, to all the people who for our cause died. These are just a few facts I found that took my anger to joy. And I just wish they were taught to me when I was a boy. Welcome to Surviving Society. With Chantel Lewis and Tiso Regis. Executively produced by Georgia Fori Addo. If you enjoy the podcast and find it useful for your ever-expanding sociological imagination, please support us via Patreon. If not, you can always support us by sharing, subscribing, rating and reviewing. Are you interested in some further reading on social movements and left politics? You should be if you're listening to Survive in Society. Red Pepper is a quarterly magazine and website of politics and culture. It is a space for debate on the left and a home for open-minded socialists. Red Pepper is reader funded with a sliding scale subscription model, ensuring its content is available to all. Find a link to Red Pepper magazine in the episode notes. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Society podcast. We are really excited today to have Cargo in the studio, aka Charles Golding and Lawrence Hu. Charles is the Cargo creative director and co-founder and is also a senior creative in a production company. Um, And Lawrence is the other Cargo co-founder and executive producer and is also a poet. Um, We are going to be talking all things creativity, education, life stories today. Really excited to have people like Charles and Lawrence in the studio as we were just saying in our pre-chat because like academics, like we obviously do love you. You make up the basis of a lot of our listenership. (laughs) But, like, it is sometimes nice to have people on the show that kind of incorporate in theory into praxis that are outside of the academy. You just uh, don't take themselves so seriously. <laughs> See, that's a sick way to say it. A sick euphemism. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for coming to the studio. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you. And I guess um, I said to you guys in the beginning, like, if you had to give Cargo's mission statement in a sentence, and Lawrence, you said, Cargo no permission required. I thought right. that's so cool. What do you mean by that? Well, it's like we're not looking for someone to say, yes, you can do this or you should do this. We're through our lived experiences and through what we know, through what we see. Well, so we're solution-based mm. and we're solution-focused and that's what we look to do. So 
currently there's a lot of discussions about the problems. Um, Black Lives Matter coming back up, puts mm. everybody back talking about the problems. But I gather everybody in this room has known the problems all their life because mm. it's a lived experience of what we're facing. And we keep getting put back into conversations talking about the problem. Mm. You know, and then people are looking for validation to make something to create some form of change or to do something. But it ends up being all held in conversations rather than action. Mm. So we just wanted to go forward and get on with doing something rather right. than getting caught up in the conversations. Yeah, I we're, love we're called that. doers a lot. That's yeah, like, that's what, they, what people call us. Other academics, they say, yeah, you're the people out there doing it. So, yeah. But, but I think this is the way it always is, right? And mm. this is what we kind of found from the show. Academics, we kind of we theorize a lot, but there's a lot of inaction. I guess it's that fear of taking that step because it's a commitment, right? You're committing to a course of action and it has an impact and therefore consequence. And putting yourself on the line as mm -hmm. well, like actually taking responsibility and like being the doers. Like it's such a incredible, incredible, incredible acts that you're doing. And I think your role in the movement is something that we can't take for granted, but also it's always important as we say on this show to locate you what you do within wider histories of um, black organising in the UK. And there's such a rich history of that as well. Um, just for the purpose of the listeners, could you say a little bit about what Cargo does? Yeah, Cargo um, is a collective of individuals, artists and creatives that donate their time to help build a library of resources, um, history resources. That's We started with history, built uh, a series of 15 lessons, online lessons that could be accessed for free. Um, and our focus is developing those resources and making them more accessible. So a big mission is to try and kind of reduce the barriers of engagement. So in many ways, digitally, as well as, you know, physically getting that information to the people and allowing that to happen as the smooth in the smoothest possible way. Absolutely love that. Democratisation of knowledge. Key. 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 Key to the uprising. Key to the revolution. The idea of democratisation like digitally is it gets away from the idea that knowledge is contained in books. As a kid, it's off-putting, right? Well, punishment was for me as a kid, read a book. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying, read a book. If you're bored, read a book. And I'm yeah, like, 100%. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's one of them ones, right? Yeah. It's trying to get people to understand that knowledge can be disseminated in different ways, in different forms. So by podcasts, through a song. And I think most of us as young kids, you learn through songs, especially for hip hop culture, right? Mm. You learn a lot through songs. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's how, that's the approach we need to take, right? I mean, poetry is at the heart of what mm. we do because that's a kind of a, um, kind of a, a shorthand for communication, isn't it? You know, we all understand that medium and Lawrence's voice is at the heart of what we do. You know, mm. there's, there's poems that run through the, the threads of all of our lessons. And uh, it's, a, it's a great way to engage and a great way, shorthand for real dense information, a way in for kids, you know, mm. and, it really, and it really does affect and engage them, so. Yeah, no, it's been, that's what we've done. A lot of problems we found with academics and other people in the beginning was because of a lot of like the African and Africa diaspora narrative has been carried through voice, has been carried through stories that have been carried down from generation to generation to generation because books and scrolls and all of this other information was destroyed. Mm -hmm. So much was this, but you can't destroy the story when it's carried down through oral traditions. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people told it, well, if it's not written, no, 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 we're not, we're not gonna play. Actually, remember, we're not asking your permission. This is what we're gonna create mm -hmm. and we're doing this anyway. Mm -hmm. And then we've created it and then you've seen the impact that it's then had. Mm -hmm. So even, yeah, I just think it's the impact of using um, poetry, which connects really well, and it, able to like condense a lot of information into three minutes or three and a half minutes. And what we've definitely got now, especially with the younger generations, 
Uh, well, I had it when I was at school, so I'm not even going to put it on their shoulders. We got people that got really short attention spans. I got really short attention. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this the other day. The classroom was a nightmare for me. Just being sat there. Yeah. Being just sat there. Do you, do you know what it is? But, but I think I think that it, that's the intersection of race and class, right? You sit in, if you're from a certain class, your, your class is like 30, 29, 30 mm-hmm. people, but you learn how to kind of coast, right? Mm. Depending on the kind of person. If you're a smart kid, you're going to get beaten up. So you, you sit in the place. But if you're okay, you coast, man. Mm. And you learn to do that well. You hide those things. Mm. Mm. I would like to think that sort of in a kind of utopian way that to be that some of those things have changed are changing and that we've always kind of been passionate about education um as a diaspora like you know, it's a, not a you know, a hugely hugely heterogeneous black global black diaspora has always been passionate about education but i'd like to think just thinking sort of locally within let's say just say city schools within london where we are now i would like to think that there are some like move, shifts and movements but obviously there's always there's always those things that stay the same in terms of education not being cool, being smart not being cool. But yeah, I'd like to think that with what you're talking about, particularly with digitization, democratization, like TikTok. Like I was reading a thing the other day about how we need to get more better citational practices with TikTok because of how much scholarship is being produced on there. And I was like, that is <laughs> sick. It's so cool. It's amazing. Yeah, people taking control. I mean, that's where, yeah, where people taking control, t- taking yeah. control for themselves because they know it's not going to happen if they don't do it. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And that's where it's come from for us as well. I mean, our, our journey started by trying to find a space for our, our own art. You know, so we we create. We thought we would create our own gallery space mm-hmm. in cargo containers. So that's where it started from. So right, we, yeah, we, we need to roll back. We need to roll back, roll back, roll back. Because it's so sick. The story. It's so sick. The story. Right. Let's start. Lawrence, you want to go first? Tell us your how you came to meet Charles to and your, yeah, and just the story of your um, entry into cargo, and then we'll go with you, Charles. Yeah, I think so. I was doing. I did my first poetry collection that got published. Well, which I published myself was back in 2006 and it was called Inner City Tales and it was looking at all the things that impacted on my life growing up that I've now seen impact on my children's life growing up I grew up in the inner city of Bristol in the communities of St Paul's and Easton which the city chose to um, serve as kind of red line and they ensured that all, all the major crime in the city was in our communities of prostitution, drug dealing, was allowed to be on the streets mm-hmm. it was instead of being policed as, or addressed or it was, it was contained <coughs> So I, I got, as I grew up, going through schools, different, went to many different schools, different things, I ended up finding that the streets was the way forward. So, but when, so and I lived that life for a while. And then, then I'd, I'd be a parent and I saw my children growing up. And I was like, you can't live the same life I've lived. You, but you can't look at the same things I saw as an option. What year is this? I'm talking early 90s. Mm. So I suppose what happened in a sense is, and I think kind of, I think it kind of projected me in that direction, was I had cancer when I was like in 1990s, when I was like 21, 22, I had cancer. And there's lots of stuff going on in my life and around my life. And I was thinking, oh, like, in a sense, it's like, well, you're cursed. You feel a bit like you're cursed. Like, whatever happens to you, it's always going to be a bad outcome. So for a bit, so it was a bit like, not with life, I live every day like it's my last. Mm. I don't, the, the system's just been, oppressed, uh, been beating us down anyway. So I wanted to fight the system anyway. And then in some weird way, it was like street life is, is, is my get back. That's how it kind of seems. So did that. So yeah, my children going for that. So I ended up doing a collection of poetry, which was asking the system, why are you doing this? And that's what it's looking at. I didn't really have any solutions in it, but it was highlighting the problem because I thought we want to get to a wider audience. Um, I wanted other people to see it. And funny enough, 
So that was 2006. And in 2007, I'd come to Notting Hill. I'd come up to buy Westbourne Park to have some acupuncture through a friend's acupuncturist. Uh, try to help me with um, my baby, but still yeah. angry. And I've come come back through Notting Hill. And also I seen a friend who I know, DJ Die, and Die was doing some filming. And he was filming with Chaz. So I didn't know Chaz up until this point. And they're on, they're on the pavement, so I stopped, we just started talking. And when we're talking, um, we got introduced, it's the first time we met. And then um, Chaz said they'd actually bought my book. I didn't know anybody who bought my book. I'd actually <laughs> gone and put them out around shops myself yeah. in the city, mm. in certain shops and just put them out. And, and then I was just like, oh, some, 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 The cover just got me straight away. Film. I was just like, it just, it just spoke to me. And then yeah. I was just like, I've had it for a little while. And then, and then we were introduced and he was making, he was trying to kind of visualize some of his poetry at the time. Mm. So I was like, let's, I can get him film it. And I was working for another uh, little news agency, so we created a little story based around his poetry, um, and that was whose story, right? Yeah. yeah so, so the yeah, so the next collection who I was doing sick? was whose who story? story. So that was in two. So that's two five later in two thousand and seven. So two thousand and seven was the bicentenary of the abolition of the slave mm -hmm. trade. So this was a response to the Eurocentric view, which was still being presented then. So what I was seeing was. What I was taught when I was back in school, like in the 70s and early 80s, was still being taught today. Even though we knew there was another story and in about 2006, somebody asked me for a wish. And when I thought about what I wish for, what I wish for, I ended up um, writing a poem called I Wish, which was about what I would have wished for rather than what I would wish for right now. So that became the basis for this Who Story collection. So from this poem, can I give you the poem? Can I give you the poem? Yes, I'm please. Give you the poem. Yes, please. <laughs> So the poem, so this was, so this is what Coup's story was built off, and this is really what Cargo has come from with us. I wish as a boy growing up, more of my history was shown. There was so much missing that could have helped me before I was grown. The history I was taught helped to fill me with anger and pain, because it taught me my ancestors were slaves with no name. Captured, kidnapped, traded, taken from their home. That's what I remember when my ancestors were shown. So when it came to history lessons, my interest was none, because whenever it covered my ancestors, they were savages and done. But many years after leaving school, my interest started to grow. And that is when I realized there was so much I didn't know. Much of what I was taught in school and told was fact, was really like someone explaining all your life on just one act. There is so much to be proud of, so much that's been achieved, but without going in search of the truth, I would have been deceived. From kings and queens that built great nations, to teachers and scholars that helped our educations. From people who stood up to what they saw was wrong, to people who risked their lives to help the sick get strong. From warriors that fought with so much pride, to all the people who for our cause died. These are just a few facts I found that took my anger to joy. And I just wish they were taught to me when I was a boy. So. Sick, 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 sick. So, wow. You've got a good wow. voice, man, sick. Thank you. Wow, yeah, but Lawrence, so that's incredible. You've got such a good voice. His voice is sick, isn't it? <laughs> you do some MCing out there, you get me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few tapes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we don't ever want to see them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So that was the basis of to that. What happened from that poem was it was extended into foot into another twelve pieces. Mm. So it looked at uh, it looked at the transatlantic slave trade for a non Eurocentric um, mm. lens. So a, a piece about the slave trade was called an illegal trade. It had Commonwealth abolition this, but then the second half of this exhibition was inspiring people from Africa or the, or the diaspora. So it went into Nani the Maroons, mm. the Haitian Revolution. We um, Nelson Mandela, Mary C. Cole, and then a piece about Africa. So that was Sue's story, that was a collection, which was 2007. That's what we, we first did some work on, which has made a, um, a video piece at the beginning of it. We set up, and it's funny because it's not radio, but there's much difference what we're kind of doing now, mm. except we've took it forward by making, implementing the education where we looked at believed somebody else would pick that up. Mm. But it never got picked up. And so that was 2007. And then we did something in 2009. So we, we landed that for a little bit, 2009. We did a, what do you call it? Like a, 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 a guerrilla, um, a little bit of a guerrilla attack, um, art attack on the Colston Hall, which is cool. So it's just having a new extension put out in 2009. A lot of people wouldn't know the name Colston, but I think a lot of people know the name Colston now mm -hmm. due to certain actions that happened not long ago. So we went there and we, but we were starting at that point to not want to be telling the negative narrative, not the narrative that we're told, or even to fight against the negative narrative. So the, the, it was it was an attempt at switching the narrative, so became a little bit more palatable for people because you knew there's pushback. There's pushback on everything we're trying to talk about. You know, you've set up a gallery exhibition, and it was and it was really tough. You know, I mean, getting people through the doors and getting you know it was visceral imagery. You know, it was it it wasn't a few people run out. Yeah, yeah, it was it it wasn't an easy process, and 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 it, we wanted to make our own space, and and that was the start of that process because we went to the Colston Hall. And we were like, we're gonna claim this space mm. so we put up a plaque on the wall mm. um, we just glued that up there with Gorilla Glue <laughs> mm. and it and it was the saying that this building was donated to the city of Bristol and it was a donation to us Afro-Caribbean community which it wasn't but we claimed it we, we made wrote flyers. our own story mm. we wrote yeah. flyers like we were Bristol City Council we put it out there as a message because we knew that was forms of subversion were the mm. only ways of kind of getting getting to you know, getting the story out there and, and different ways of magnifying the story and making the story kind of sit with people. That was our first little anagram, wasn't it? Because we created a company called Race. Mm -hmm. And Race stood for recognising Africa's contribution to Europe. <laughs> yeah. Like that. And that's what we did. We set up a website, a fake web company, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, all, all of that nice. stuff. Because, mm -hmm. And then that got attention, you know. Mm -hmm. what, was in the, um, what was in the in the collection? What sort of art was in there? Well, it was pictures. I mean, it's vis visual yeah. photography. Yeah. Visual photography. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as well as the, your words. Yeah, it was poetry of images. It's always. It's, that's why I say it's like that's what we giggle. It's like we're still doing what we we've always done. It's been a combination of using poetry. So we're really storytellers. Yeah. Chad is a storyteller. Like he tell you, amazing and beautiful stories through visual stimulation. You know, through film art that we can put together in the way. Yeah, and, and it's always got some emotive little sound. It's like how you get the sound right all the time. <laughs> you know, there's a way that you can just touch your heart with the little sounds that it puts with it. And I'm a storyteller through poetry, through writing. And that's what, that's how we've come together. And I think that's what worked. I think even, and in our backgrounds, we, we kind of come from two different ends of the spectrum. And this is the one thing, like, Chaz, I've never really let him go anywhere. Because for me, especially then, I hadn't done so much of what I've done now. I still had kind of a reputation from where I'd come from and who I was. But in Chaz, I seen everything good that we could be. 
you know, and he gets a bit funny about it by saying it to him all the time. But it wasn't. And when I grew up, I didn't know that someone like Chaz could exist. Yeah, that's that's the honest truth. Because I grew up in a small, tight inner city community, and then moved to other different type of spaces. But my my cultural identity was too. To the to 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 a disadvantaged, you know, but it's, um, it's a city, right? You, you flip, space, flip side. Yeah, you don't, you don't see that black person represented. You see that no, white no. person represented that yeah. way, but in the street, you see what you see, right? So I was like, "You're good for my children." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're a good example for my children to know as well, and to see to and and to look to where you could and what you could achieve. It is possible, mm-hmm. you know. He's working for like an all right company. He works for a great company now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's working much better now. But he's gone through the thing. He's done uni. He's done this. I didn't really know anybody that looked like me that went to university mm-hmm. growing up. And also, so I think yeah, I, was, I was like taken back by you at the same time as like you were a bit of an oddity to me when I first met you. <laughs> and for that all is the right that's reasons. Lawrence. That's a great little segue into Charles. <laughs> Who is or Charles? Chaz, or Charles? Charles yeah, or Charles? Yeah, yeah. Charles doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a very different life to Lawrence, 100%. You know, I've, I've, I've had a, an extremely lucky upbringing with parents that have tr- taken me all around the world. So I've been I've been extremely lucky. I was born in Nigeria, moved to the UK after like three years. Mm-hmm. But my mum's American, so mm-hmm. I used to spend a lot of time in the States. My mum's come from an incredible background. My grandfather was a huge activist. He changed a lot of the education system in the US. He was one of the first men to, well, one of the first individuals to refuse to sit at the back of the bus before Rosa Parks, went to court, changed legislation around his um, his case. So it was, you know, had that cutting on the wall in the home. So mm-hmm. that was like, that was unavoidable. That was, that's that's the legacy. That's the shoulders I'm standing on. Mm-hmm. So there is, there's an obligation and a responsibility there to, mm-hmm. to kind of push things forward. So, yeah, um, I've, I've seen amazing things, so. I've got to just kind of try and communicate that. More, tell us more. Yeah, I don't know what else is there. I mean, I, th- I think I think the story. Creative, uh, Chance, you're a creative. Yeah, so yeah, you went. Yeah. So you went to university. Where did yeah, you yeah. go? I went to LCP, which was London College of Printing at the time. Wow. So, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you, so your creativity. Elephant, Elephant Castle. Yeah. Your creativity sort of was born out of obviously your your parents, your background, but then in London, you yeah. became a creative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I, I taught myself everything. I mean, my both my parents are self employed, so yeah. I saw that work ethic around me every day. So that yeah. was a big part of it they did everything for themselves no one gave them anything yeah so they i saw that and i just was like i i enjoy making things so i'm going to teach myself how to do it so yeah i did that i was working when i was at college you know i was i had, I had jobs doing design mm-hmm. so i was able to supplement my you know university with that work so mm-hmm. most of the time they wanted to throw me out because i was never there because, so because what, de- what decade what what year are we talking now we're talking um early 2000s, early yeah, 2000s. Yeah, 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 okay yeah, yeah. so early 2000s and then where do we get to the birth of cargo? Yeah, I guess it's you what, guys meet in. Do you guys meet in two thousand seven? Yeah, by chance. Yeah, so two by chance there. We start to build up a friendship. Um, two thousand nine, we did a little pro- that combined piece together. Yeah, um, a little few little bits around, and then it was. Well, it was after Who Story really? The Who Story exhibition all built up from there. Yeah. Then we did the book launch. Yeah. So the Who Story was just an exhibition. Um, so it was all on big canvases in the gallery. Yeah. yeah. And then but it was at that point we were just like, right, we need to make our own space. We're, we're getting pushed back. We're getting resistance. This information needs to be out there. How do we do that? How do we control our environment? Mm-hmm. So we were like, well, let's, let's, we cut you, you, I think it was you, you said cargo containers, mm-hmm. you know, shipping containers. And you don't, you can put them anywhere. You can park them like a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I think you yeah, said. Yeah. And was, this, was, like was using cargo containers to display art, was that, beca- was it, was that, 
was that related to not being able to get into other spaces? Yeah, 100%. It was about having yeah. freedom and control yeah. over your narrative, over your storytelling, as well as the obvious links to the to the narrative itself. You know, <laughs> the idea of transience, the idea of journey, the idea of progression, all of those roots things. Roots and roots. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, there you go. There you go. It was transition and transportation or something like that was one of the early yeah, that was it. bits we had for, at the very beginning. Yeah. I can remember it's like it was Trans transformation. That was it, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the very yeah, beginning. Yeah, but I think transport so that was, transformations. It was like 2016. Yeah, it's funny because I keep in my computer. I keep this one document um, in my notes. I ne won't ever touch it because it has a date in there, <laughs> and it's like late 2016. But the idea came up mid 2016. Um, even though we can talk about different stuff, we were going to go to hate in 2008 because we wanted to tell the story of the Revolution. Rev uh, no, we wanted to go to Benin. Mm. Because we wanted to tell the story of Vodon and Voodoo, mm, and also to Haiti, yeah. but that was really important because you know we need to look at something outside of um, the norms of religion. Yeah. Let's get back right. to African spirituality. Let's have a look at some of these things that empower people, what people use to gain their own freedom mm. when they believed in something other than what they were given. But the whole thing with the cargo it was 2016, and we were I sat up at yours. We were sat there. We were talking about this, what we were doing, and we talked about the shipping containers, and then we came up. Then we actually. Because before it was, we, we were working under a title of Ship Shape and Bristol Fashion. Before then, and that's the title that we carried over from 2009. And then also we were sat there, I can remember, and then we went, yeah, it's shipping containers, this, that, and the other. Yeah, cargo. It's called, we're gonna call it cargo. It's gonna be called cargo. So we did that, looked on there. I think Chad started mock instantly, started mocking up shipping containers. I'm sure one of the shipping containers, the original one was white, and it started having passport stamps on it to show that they've been here or been there a few things like that and yeah. some other visuals but all this different social stuff coming but up but the idea is you go into these containers and you get taken somewhere else so yeah. it's an immersive experience you know 360 projection inside you know all all different sensory deprivations you know you go in there and you come out a different person and it's and, and it's four containers that are joined together in a loop so it's a circular yeah. journey as well so all of this thing we designed it we had yeah. all the plans drawn up we had architects in we, we got a grant from the Arts Council you know, we, we 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 people believed in us for the first time. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It was this like was 2016. It, but no, no, 2016 is when it started. There's one bit we, we have a given because so cargo. When this journey, because we're looking at transatlantic like slave trade, putting an empowering narrative there for the African African diaspora mm. people through this instead of just being enslaved people, so showing how you and we are responsible for being sat in this room right now. Yeah, we're stood on the shoulders of people who fought for the freedoms we have now today. It wasn't just given to us. It wasn't just will before. It wasn't abolitionist. It wasn't the abolition of the slave trade. That happened because of what? They couldn't contain the people anymore. So, oh, let's, we better give them freedom before they take it themselves. <laughs> we could have a completely different story. So cargo, so the word, so actually cargo stands for charting African resilience, generating opportunities. And that's, that's what we're doing. Mm. That so I said it's like no permission required, but in a sense, if you want to say what does cargo mean, that's what cargo means: charting African resilience, generating opportunities, and what we are responsible for doing now is to continue what had been done by us before. Chaz, basically on your your background, I guess you're kind of steeped in the background of civil rights, and what comes through in the in the poem, the kind of the anger. Both of you come to this the same place of question of trying to provide an alternative narrative than what you've been given your background is that is, is that essential you kind of making you want to question this narrative that you were given to start to provide this alternative way of looking at things 
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, we. It's all about finding another way. You know, we're we're navigators. You know, I mean, we're navigating the storytelling mm-hmm. and try and find the best way of telling that story and getting that information across. And that's we're constantly on that pro, um, progress of just trying to how can we do this better? How can we intersect this in a different way? Because people get bored of hearing the same things. People just switch off. You know, and it's trying trying to make people not switch off is is our battle and trying to get people to look at things in a different way. And I think the genius. Of when Lawrence put those poems together originally and that little switch it's the same information but there's a switch there's a little switch to the way it's delivered you know it's the the stories they're talking about the same information but they're talking about it in a different way and I think that's so important because we, we're surrounded by the same information daily and it's just about how can we get that information to catch on people and how do we get people to get tweaked and, and listen so yeah that's, that's, that's what this has all been about I'm really interested in like obviously how you guys met um, is incredible and like the bond and what you've created together is um, so inspiring and Lawrence you were talking about how when you met Chaz like it felt like where has this person been all my life but before you had got to that point you were clearly on a different kind of trajectory like who were the other people around you that got you to like think about perhaps doing poetry because there's always there's those people in the background isn't there well the thing is a lot of my (laughs) the funny thing is in the (laughs) beginning my circle thought I'd gone mad did they because you were like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be a poet because it's different because it was different but also I was highlighting our life yeah up my normality this like when when it was in the tales of prostitution the drugs were that's my normality so Lot so many people I grew with, including myself, that was that was our life, that was what we were from. So all of a sudden I'm saying, say, but this isn't right. But this is what we do. This is this is what we have. And so I actually had someone come to my house and knock the door. And the funny thing is I, I grew my hair at the same time. <laughs> I got a picture where you find my hair was ended up being like this. Afro. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I grew it out. I was like, like people come and ask it and, and the rumors go around, Lawrence has gone mad. Mm-hmm. Because oh, was there a book? Like what? What yeah, happened? What, it, was what, was, what was the switch? It was my children. Your children. It was Aww. just my children. Just no rage is, is, is a polite way of putting it, right? So certain things happen around my children. I'm like, no, they can't find my children. But then my reactions. It also is like oh, now, you, now you're even more of the problem. What are you gonna do to check? Because everything just when they after the short while, everything became just black and white. There's no gray area. If you do something near my children, there's a certain thing that could damage them. Or to me, and all my children have is me. Mm-hmm. Well, I must bring this to an immediate conclusion. And now I've grown, the immediate conclusion is ending. Mm. And a few things arose around that, and it was just, but hang on. But then either you're going to be, either you end, or you end up for the rest of your life incarcerated. But who's there for your children? You've got to find a way of this rage. What's, What's the rage? And even when people say, "How do you? Why do you start writing poetry?" Why well, that's out? Because I was angry. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because I was so angry. And my first poem I ever wrote came from me being in a situation on road. I went home to go and get something to finish this situation. Yeah. But for some reason, it's funny because it's some of my friends used to say, "When we used to go raving, you come back from raving." And and you chat a lot of nonsense in the car because you all think you could be an MC forever. And every night it's all good. That made sense, Lawrence. Mm. Yeah. You said something that like God, that made sense. Maybe it did. Maybe we were still under the influence of being that raving. <laughs> but on this one instance, I come home and I'm so, and I know I know where this is ending. There isn't an anywhere anywhere nice. Mm. And I don't know why, and I never know why. I walked into the house. 
and I found a pen and I found a piece of paper and I wrote how I felt. And it was the first poem I ever wrote. It was called Life. And I just wrote this piece and I sat still. I didn't leave the house all night, I didn't leave the house. Stay there, stay there. And yeah, I forgot where we were, but that's no, how No, but that's, that's yeah, so a series of moments. Yeah, so a moment, I think it was that, a few instances like that where it was just like, you could do this and you know all this, but your children, it's not gonna help them. And I can remember one, I think there was one point, which was really quite instrumental around it as well, is me getting into an architect operation with some people. Mm. So they were doing something by my children, which they should be doing by my children. But my children were, no dad. Mm. And I looked at them, I saw fear in my children's faces, but they were looking at me. I said, nah, this is like, did they even see what these people were doing like them? I mean, because there's so much violence and growth mm -hmm. and it's like, I have to find another way. And I think, but that's what was so thing of, with me and Chaz, mm -hmm. and, and with Chaz's story. And it's like, mine was just rage and then it just became reaction to rage and that's how I knew to deal with something. It's like, the end of the day I said, oh, I don't, I get my hands on you, everything could be all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I need to do, don't just get me. But Chaz showed me that there was, you could still achieve and do more and then even if, when you hear his story, you know, like his grandfather, he did. He didn't tolerate what it was. It was like, and he sat on the bus, like he says. He took him to court. He won the case against Greyhound Bus, and it was what six or eight years before Rosa Parks did what she did. He was the second person not to do as he was told on the bus in a, in a, in history of America. But he came for that. And his parents are really hard working. This working through. So what is it? It's showing that if you really do work hard, and often maybe from your own, from you, you really can achieve as long as you're not relying on someone else to do it for you. And that was like, oh, because I don't like being told what to do. Never. So that kind of fit, <laughs> so that kind of fit in with that. Guys, and I just tell, tell you guys, on a level, at a, on a level, as the only black woman in the room right now, I really need you all, everyone to deep that, like, as in the extent to which men don't like being told what to do. Because if I didn't like being told what to do, I probably wouldn't be sat here now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, know, you get me, but I get what you're saying. Right? But, but I felt in my experience, it's the same thing. It's the same thing that you went through. It's conceptually understanding the world. It's when I realised there's a way to to understand the world in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I think both of you kind of exp kind of typify that point. So if you look back at the Haitian Revolution, they had the intellectuals, but they also did it through violence, right? Mm -hmm. So it's but combination. a combination it's of the balance. two. It's that yeah, balance that makes balance. change, right? Yeah. But normally, depending where you are, you come at it from one way until yeah. you see see a different way. Yeah. And it's, it's it's difficult. That's that's sometimes that never so sometimes that never occurs, right? We sometimes have really difficult conversations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You have to. But, you have but, to. It's that, but it's that middle ground yeah. Where, yeah. where we land, and that we always we always land there yeah. to get what we're doing. But I think what's incredible, but what has changed, also what has changed, part of the whole story and our ability to get stuff done, is that in the corner of the room and that on the floor. It's what Technology, you can do with your phone. What yeah. it's what we can actually now do for ourselves. Mm. Before you'd have to get a broadcaster would have to be interested in what you're doing. You're doing a podcast from here and with all of us in this room. Mm -hmm. Would you be employed by the BBC, ITV, these different, or, or, when you look at it, but we can now broadcast, create, mm -hmm. and put it out there. 
Yeah, that's so, why it was difficult doing this job, right? The BBC thing, right? Because mm. we're like, we do do we want to be in this space? You know, yeah, yeah, we've yeah. been independent. Our yeah. whole thing is independence. Yeah. You know, what I mean, that's really important to us mm. because we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing now if it wasn't for us not being associated, not being tied to anybody. We we self fund. You know, ev- mm. everything we do is off our own backs. Right. You know, I've got a job to keep this going. You know yeah. what I mean, it's like you know, and and we we that independence is really important. So to be part of an institution is a difficult decision. But, yeah. but because yeah, then yeah. you're tied into that decision making, so it's uh, we yeah, find a few good little place. relationships out of out of many, yes. and even mm. we've got a good funny thing. We have a good relationship with the University of Bristol yeah. with. Listen, they they ask reparations. So literally, <laughs> literally every institution yeah, yeah. in the That's UK right. owe us reparations. So, so whatever that is, that looks like yeah, definitely we're small faculty parts in that. Yeah. in the whole uni. Right, but we do with bits. But when we were invited there, I, I was invited at the beginning. And I was like, "You joking? Going there for what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you mean? No, 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 no. What, what, what do we want to go there for? Mm-hmm. We want to tick some box for them to be badged for them? Mm. Yeah, we want. No, no, no. We're not going there. And then somebody kind of dragged us streaming into there. And I can't lie that we found some really good relationships with some people there that have been. Yeah, we have to pull them up, though. We have to pull them up. Yeah, well, we've had meetings, and I'm not going to use the language on here for the listeners that we're using <laughs> oh, the meetings. Oh, you can use the language. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the, the conversation was a little bit like this. Listen, mm. don't take the fucking piss. But understand this. Yeah, understand this. You have qualities and values and knowledge to what you do, but so do we. You can't know or do what we do, and maybe there's something that, you, that we can't do. Mm. But together, we can do something that could make a difference. Mm. But just know, with or without you, we're going to make a difference. And you know what? They are quite responsive because I've had so many of those conversations with academics like, because mm. they don't think we're serious and then you have to tell them, no, we are serious. <laughs> and then they do listen, but you do have to check them. And I'm so glad that you guys do. I think it's also the work um, because could, we didn't wait for, that's the thing, we just went on and got on with the work. And we created the work and the content and all the way through. And when it came to some other things, people would take an offering to be associated with the institution. Mm. And I got problems with that and try to know what we could do. So even in the thing, so we've ended up collaborating on works with them, haven't we? Mm. Not with them over us. Yeah, we've yeah. got into partnership. It's a different relationship. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely helps. And it was to show people that come before us that had accepted less that you don't have to do that. Mm. You know, in a sense, know your worth. Mm. And I think yeah, it's we've, bro- we've broken a lot of preconceptions of models, though, in terms of like self-funded mm. projects, you know, CICs, all of those kind yeah. of brackets for organisations. They thought they had to work in a certain way. Yeah. We've showed that we don't. Ha- you don't have to work in that way. Right. You can get things done without having to be part of those institutions. We say, we say there's a limited company. We were told there's a limited company. You wouldn't mm. be able to get any arts council funding more than fifteen thousand or twenty thousand mm-hmm. pounds. We ended up getting two. We got two pieces that we just before COVID we got like twenty three and a half thousand pounds from that mm. thing, and then later on we got seventy eight and a half thousand pounds from them Incredible. to do the work we're doing. But nice. we were told so in the beginning, important. not as a limited company, you've got to be this. But all of these things kind of in a sense it felt like it was a way of like pegging you. Yeah. But then they say, but to be if you're this, what you need to be, you need a umbrella organisation above you. Let us be them. Yeah. Mm. And what happens is their their trust keeps growing. Yeah, yeah. And their and their legacy gets greater. And then you're just like a let's call it a cultural offering. Mm. That's that's, that's the system, isn't it? Though. Right? Yeah, but uh, we were like, no, no, no. We know we, we we're we gonna get something yeah, yeah. done. It might not be, but we're gonna get this done. Yeah. So we weren't. We had no problem if we had to say, see ya. Mm. You you go and do you. We'll do us, but. Careful. 
Mm. You might get embarrassed down the road. Mm. And I think. <laughs> I love that. Careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Careful. Carry on. Carry on. You carry on. Carry on. Carry on. Carry on. You be you. You be you. I think um, but one of the things that I love about the cargo story and both of your kind of narratives is how, yeah, how um, personal the political is, but also like your kind of lived experiences and trajectories into doing this work really helps us, particularly us as sociologists, understand what the structures of society do to us in our everyday lives. So I couldn't help but think about that when you were sort of talking about how you, when you got back in from the night out and you started writing, like quite a lot of the time, um, like people that do your sort of political theory, et cetera, say that, we need to think about the structures and how the, the those that move the structures, that work the structures, that are, that are the architects of the structures, we need to look to them and power and how we dismantle that. We can talk about our lived experience, but they only get us to a certain point. But I do really believe that like hearing narratives like yours, Lawrence, and yours, Charles, like particularly those two like coalescing together is such a foundational aspect as to how we get free basically and I think it's a combination of other people hearing your stories and feeling comforted by them because they can relate to them but also people that have absolutely no idea about what that is like so it's like you don't want to kind of fetishize our lives and our experiences but equally like telling the stories will never not be important for the movement I don't care what you macro sociologists say like I just think that it's so integral and I'm so I don't think everyone should have to tell their stories um but i'm so grateful for people like yourselves for doing it because i think there's a lot there's a lot in it and it's such an important part i think to the movement but i think that rage that you speak about is yeah that rage you speak about i think for most black people you can relate right and i think what we tend to do like i said through our through our history is that through through our music we, you know something's wrong. You get a sense of what's wrong, so you start talking about it, Creative. and you start talking about it. You rap about it. You, talk, you understand it, but you don't. You don't, you're not, you don't really have the kind of the literacy to express it. But you know it's a fuckery, right? Yeah. You can sense it. Yeah. You can feel it, mm. and you can see it. But even though no one tells you explicitly, your parents never tell you explicitly, but you know it, mm. and you see it in history books. But history books present it as black and white. Mm. But you see it in your day 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 to day life, right? But you know it. And then on top of that, just sort of where we're fangirling you guys here now but like doing all that what Tiso just said and getting to the point of creating telling our stories and using that as tools for resistance but also doing that in collaboration so you guys finding each other like that's what we 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 have that in surviving society as well like you can't do things in isolation you can't do things on your own like i'm so so glad you said that when you find like and that and that's what our institutions where we are in academia like say they constantly constantly fetishize this idea of the lone scholar like the lone celebrity or the lo- like uh, academic celebrity and it's like no like we have to be in collaboration you can't do things on your own and yeah, yeah I just we, think- we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the group of people that surround us the people yeah. that have supported us on our journey yeah. people have believed in us and there are other creatives and other visionaries as well you know yeah. we we work with other amazing creatives other great musicians you know mm. people that we will inspire us mm. our peers and that's where the growth's come from isn't it yeah, that's where the expert also bam mm. and um that's what's made it fun yeah. that's what's made it fun but building a collective 
Mm. You're a collective of people. And seeing people wanting to help as well. People yeah. that are just like, do you know what? I don't want any money for this. I yeah. just want to be involved, you know? Mm. And that's 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 amazing, you know? And we, 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 we support others as well, but, but it's the support we get from, you know, our peer group that is the thing that keeps us going, 100%. It's amazing. I've got I've got a go provocation go on, go on. about being creatives and working with creatives. <laughs> what do you do about like people's egos? Like, like I. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Because we can we can sit and talk here. We can sort of talk here about the ups and downs of working with academics. What that's like. Mm. It's very a particular experience, and there's there's definitely ego involved. But I think there's a certain type of creative like. Yeah, like I think it's the, I think you know you, you take you take the young person they'll break any ego down you know when when Lawrence went into a school recently and saw those kids face to face I've never it? seen them so small because because they'll break anything down you know yeah, they'll yeah. look at you they'll just say one word and they'll just they'll find you out <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. so I think I think it's the, they're the great, children they're, great they're the great level levelers think, aren't they you know the children's what's important mm. um, and it's like it's trying to get to them as, as early as possible. So it's like this is a thing. It can be impossible to fix broken adults, but we can grow great children, you know, that can that have the belief from the beginning. Like we're all trying to put ourselves back together. You know, and I'm not sure how old you are, but I know mm. what I was taught a different thing to be trying to piece these pieces back. So that's what's so important about what Cargo Classroom is. That's why we're now doing primary resources. First of all, they were for secondary school, but now we do it for primary school. And we want that so that the children from straight away to speak, well, I can. Yeah, I can. And, and it has been done before. It, it, it's knowing that it's been done before by in heart in um in harsher circumstances as well so even in this space here but get back to egos don't worry <laughs> <laughs> but it's even in this space here you can look at what has been done before and where we are and we really got to look at the freedoms and the opportunities that we have because it's not all doom and gloom i believe that we're living in, in the most interesting of times there's a real incredible change going on around here because there's a lot of children young people out there saying i'm not having this so we just need to show them something that they need to be having mm. and how they can create that change themselves and empowering them and not so much keep going back to the institutions. I'm still amazed that people keep going back to certain institutions, asking an institution that was built off oppression or even off oppression and enslavement that gives it a, its power and then asking that institution to empower you to take its power away. Now that's a madness. But that is, that is how the narrative keeps getting respun. It's okay, but don't we... We hear you. <laughs> we yeah, do you? No. But do you feel us? That's the difference. You might hear, but do you feel? Mm. Yeah, because when, when some of the figures like every day that my children leave the house, they're at risk from this society here that's been built here that doesn't recognise their value or their worth. They'll be targeted and profiled in shops or going down the street, regardless of what you are. So when other people feel that then they might want to like the change, but they don't feel it and they're not good. So it's for us to stand up to make that change, but also build our own power bases. But at the same time, it's to know that we're all part of humanity. Mm. So that's the thing of divide and conquer, separating us up with races and all that. I don't believe in race. Mm. That's our thing. But, but at one point, I was the blackest you you'd ever find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was all about that, like chip on my shoulder. This is what it's kind of like. I was like, oh yeah, but look how you're, you're, you're making, like the nugget of information could be in anybody on the planet. And when you close yourself off into these little things, there's so much that we're depriving ourselves of. And that's part of, of the trap. So it's not to keep getting put back into the old trap. And I think with the going back to ego and like the thing is, is you find ego with people. You know, sometimes like, it's just, just be, just, that's cool. You just do what you're doing for your thing. But give the 
empower to empower the young children, the young people. And when you see some of the great, um, like Melisa, God say Melisa's name, young poet Melisa, we try to assist. When you see that, it's like you kind of don't need hope. Look how worldly, look how knowledgeable this person is. You're like 22 years old or something, and you you you've got the knowledge of. It feels like you've got the knowledge of we as like older people, but because I think they're getting more information. There's so much more understanding they've got, and that's why I don't think they're going to find it so easy to contain and control them. Yeah, and um, but egos, what egos in 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 the creative industry and arts. <laughs> <laughs> no such thing. Yeah, like speaking about the traps, and like we spoke about in the pre-chat about about the idea of education. So the question I was going to ask you: Why have you chosen history as a as a subject to kind of express what you're trying to express through cargo? Because history is is fraught with them traps, so yeah, I, I mean, if you kind of kind of build upon that, really. Well, it comes from the poetry at the core. Mm. Poetry is talking about individuals, historical individuals from different points in time, from ma- massively separated on some occasions, but they take a full loop, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know, so you're talking about contemporary individuals and you're talking about ancient individuals. But I think the, the relevance of all of those characters is really important to every, everyone's lives, no matter how old the stories are. But I mean, that's where it comes from, really. It comes from those po- those narratives of, of, of those poems and those individuals that are long forgotten a lot of the time. You know, they, they're probably brought into popular consciousness a little bit more now. But, but at the time when we were talking about them many years ago, yeah. not a lot of people were talking yeah. about these people. So... Um, and I think that historic is it's less about the history and more about the individual. So okay. what when we went into saying right, we're going to make these into lessons, then we spoke to teachers and historians, and they were like, "Well, you can't do this. You got to do it about an era, era of time. You can't do it about individuals." But the more and more we broke them down, they were like, "Well, maybe we can. Maybe we can do them about individuals." Because for us, it was more about something tangible for an individual. So who's learning, you can you can pinpoint that. You can you can think about that individual, and we created these illustrations that were contemporary kind of reimaginings of these individuals with with modern kind of people at the core so so when the kids looked at them they could see somebody they knew in those pictures even though those characters were many thousands of years old um so the 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 idea is to kind of have a relevance to the to the to the student you know and have and have a tangible connection so you know they, we wouldn't say we say they're more stories than it's yeah. history you know and and within that you know if you take Imhotep for example you know <laughs> incredible character who's spans many different subjects you know you could you could look at him with a scientific eye you know you could look at him with a you know uh, uh, an educational eye or an arts eye you know and, then, and the flexibility architecture mm. is a polymath you know yeah. so you know you look at him through many different lenses but ultimately you're looking at an individual mm. and it's a, then there's a connection there there's a real tangible connection between the learner and the story yeah. and I was just going to add I think the reason why because what we're doing is a tiny, this is the thing, we're doing a tiny little bit. We're kind of sticking and staying focused on a little bit of storytellers, first and foremost. But I think history was the thing that was just the start point. And it was to address something that we see was just directly missing in education. It was the misinformation. And it was wanting to put some balance to that. It wanted to, um, it wanted to give people some chest. <laughs> yeah, it wanted to make people feel proud. It was like, well, okay, it's not just the slave trade it's not just that and that's why Imhotep's so important because Imhotep's 5,000 years ago you know and he was part of building a great civilization and contributions that were hijacked and taken on by other people yeah, demonised by Hollywood demonised by Hollywood um, <laughs> so much of what he achieved was um, 
reattribute it to the Greeks. You know, but actually, like, a lot of it, a lot of that happened earlier. But then it's all also about the interrogation of the narrative. Mm-hmm. So it's teaching people to look beneath and look beyond and mm-hmm. and say, well, what the story you think you know is not that. Mm-hmm. You know, we can switch it and tell you that actually this is closer to the story. But also to get people the idea that they can inquisit, they're inquisitive themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things when I first got to know Lawrence, I mean, he was he was just mad online. He would he'd be up all night just research, research, <laughs> research, research, and he would just be down some rabbit holes. You you wouldn't want to go down, but but the whole no, no, yeah. my life, but, but but he found the knowledge himself. He went mm-hmm. out there yeah. himself. He had the tool. That was the tool he mm-hmm. used. That tool, and he and he got incredible knowledge. You mm-hmm. know, and that was the first. You know, when you first went online like that, you know, it was uh, it was just yeah, it was inspiring because it was like God, you you did that. You know, all this information I never knew about you. You're my teacher. You became my teacher because you told me all this all this stuff. So. Um, and you found it yourself. So it's having, you know, the powers in your hands and the, the ability to interrogate the narrative. I think that was the thing at the heart of it for me as well. So you guys have been doing the work, right? If we think about the last sort of few years and we think about Black Squaresism and we think about... BLM 2020. Yeah, we think about 2020, BLM 2020. So we think about th- things like racial capitalism and in this instance, we're thinking about how some people who look like us have capitalised in very neoliberal and econo- economically advantageous ways on a particular political climate and then haven't redistributed mm-hmm. that knowledge, funds, all of that stuff in the ways that we is... Speaking about Kemi? I mean, a combination (laughs) of people which who would say they are politically aligned with all of us in the room. A combination of um, people like within the within the Tory government. I think it's a. I think I think it would be wrong to assume that it's just the black Tories that we are that I'm thinking about here. Think about people that have have capitalised off a moment without adequately engaging a redistribution of wealth, resources, capitals. And yeah, adopted a neo neoliberal way of being post that kind of that kind of black squares moment. Mm. Um, and I hate this. I don't by black squares moment. I'm not um, diluting the incredible global Black Lives Matter uprisings here. Um, not diluting that. I'm thinking about how institutions and white people responded to it, and that being their kind of guilt. Well, I don't know. We don't know. We, we don't. I don't want to call it guilt now because it's very much we we've very much um, seen it flip. We've seen the flips the the script flip very much. So yeah, we've seen the white ash. Thank you very much, George. But basically, what was it like? Because as as an organisation, so for us as like an um, as part of, we're part of organisations that have um, been doing this work pre that moment, and it was it was slightly I think distressing for some of us seeing like people come up and say, look, we're doing this and get loads of money for it. Yeah, and now yeah, where have yeah, they gone? Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so for you guys. We spoke a little bit on the oh, way in yeah. on this, very like. So well, I, I mean, the, well, the culture, culture, so it's a culture thing, thing yeah. and all that, right? But I call it white fright. Yeah. yeah. But you got it. But the funny thing is it's not new. Yeah. What happened right. is it's just that in it's 2020, yeah, yeah, we were it kind of got quite highlighted. So it's so it become a lot more um, visual to see. Mm. But this has been going on for decades and decades mm-hmm. of these individuals. Mm. And it isn't just in the Tory but it's across the board. Yeah, yeah, people. exactly. And it's, um, what you end up with people, you know, well, actually, I'm, I'm on the ship, I'm all right, don't you look out there, go rock the boat now. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm getting paid. And I'll, I'll tell you, someday it'll be all right. Yeah, and this has been going on. So this cultural um, capital 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, where the problem pays. Yes. That, collaborators, yes. Collaborators, isn't it? Collaborators. They're collaborators. Yeah, so, collaborators. So, the pro- yeah. so we don't need a solution because I'm getting paid off the problem. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then, then I'm the person, I can keep my people at peace. Mm. Or something like this. So there's, there's, a, there's a whole wealth. And I thought, <laughs> funny enough, I thought something that already happened in Bristol at one point because <laughs> I've seen it over decades. Yeah. But it's not, it's all over the place. Mm. Yeah. And, and And if you talk a certain way or if you think, and you don't, Funny thing is, some of no, yeah. but funny thing is, some actually will talk quite strongly, mm. but their actions aren't. And they suddenly, so um, I'm not going to say who. <laughs> I just don't want to, <laughs> right? And this, 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 this is on. This is this is, this is no, but no, no. I'm on about government. I'm not on about mm. home. I'm not on about Bristol. I'm about London. I'm about gov- um, MPs, and it's not Tory either. But certain things have happened. Oh, please, please say. Come on. We, like, we, drag, <laughs> we drag all the black <laughs> labor. Is it Lammy? Is it Lammy? Lammy. Lammy. I knew it was Lammy. Listen, all right. Let me continue then. Go, go, go. So what I see and what I've seen and what I've observed is when serious, serious fire points, flash points have come up, he's come out and spoken on the point. And then after, but where's the action? So, so... For me, he the doesn't mo- care, me, Lawrence. The moment, the, he doesn't care. He's in the club, bro. He's, he's in, in the, the club. club bro. He doesn't for me, care. The moment that got me when I was just like, I don't know what the people are doing. Mm. And sometimes you like, sometimes you just get upset and you think, you know, sometimes you got to think you're getting what you deserve. Mm. So see when Grenfell happened, mm. and I'm sat in my house at quarter past one in the morning, watching that building burn, and I'm crying, and I'm watching what's happening, and it's like I'm just sat there, and there's tears are just running down my face. Mm. I don't cry. Mm. But tears, my eyes are just streaming mm. and I'm sat there watching this building and I'm seeing people jumping out of a building and we see all what happened there. And um, the artists up on the higher floors was meant to be a friend of yours. Mm. Somebody that you personally knew. I can't um, remember the building. They say. came out and they spoke and they spoke quite strong. Mm. Even some actually other um, celebrities actually came out because they live around by the block. Mm. And you saw some people come out of the thing and the emotion of the moment was so Could strong. So, and you saw other people, they come out and go, oh, my, this, that, the other. And they kind of failed away, but he came out. Say, this, that, the other, da, 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 da. And this is the first thing. This was the one bit that really started. And then, then, then what? Then what? All the legislation, all the laws and all this thing be broken around all it. So, so, yeah, but that's what it is. No, but that's what it is. And, and, but you see some that play it really well, they will come out and talk in a manner that you make think, you you got up, like, but then watch what happens after. Mm. Watch what they actually follow through with, and there's nothing. Yeah, and this this needs to stop. So and so I sometimes get said this with you're on about freaking or probably. I said like so we go, Lawrence, don't go for them. <laughs> don't go for them. Come on, we're all brothers. And I'll be like, No, no we're not. No, it's not about that, bro. No. It's not about that, bro. And, and I go, <laughs> Tell them. You need to know that's not true. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Just because you might look like me yeah, not, doesn't not the same. mean you feel like we're not we. not the same, bro. Right? They will experience a very, that they can experience the world in a very particular way and that is similar to all of us in this room, but they make a choice. You make a choice. Yeah. And that is capital. It's about yeah. money. It's money. Yeah. And they're well, they're well versed in that language mm. of the institution, right? They're part of the institutions, right? And some people think that their only standing is to be accepted by the institution. Mm. And that has come through the, the, the education conforming to be a certain way. Mm. And it's like, no, it's not. 
But my about you, as long as they like me. But also, our parents were told us that, right? Uh, black faces and high places. If you get there, you can change it for all of us. But when they got there, they just pulled up that jawbridge and said, "Listen, yeah, I should no. really, should really, yeah, important citation. Yeah, Paul Gilroy, municipal socialism. So mm-hmm. think about when you're mm. thinking about that time you were talking about in Bristol, like early nineties. That is, that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. Like people were getting getting positions yep. that looked like us and sending everyone out. And I just feel like. We saw that. I think, I think the difference with 2020 in how much money was plugged into different institutions, some in a very, like some institutions and organisations, sorry, some organisations that very much like are doing incredible work, I'm sure with that money now, but other people, it's like, what was that? What are you doing? Where Where is that? Where's the... Bro, it's the new trainers, bro. The Yeezys, bro. They need them Yeezys, bro. It's like, I think age helps with, with, even with 2020. Yeah. So even when um, George Floyd first got um, killed Murdered, in the way yeah. he did, Murdered, right? I'm not lying. I didn't pay no attention. Yeah. No, same. I was, I d- I I was like... It's another... Well, I every day. It's normal, right? It's normal. But, but, but at the same time, well, I was like, but what about... Why aren't you marching for everybody here? Sean Reed. Mm-hmm. Or the Sui yeah. Lewis. All the different people that have been here. But it wasn't even that. It was just like... And then when it all blew up, everyone, this is the moment of change. It was like, oh, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Straight it away. It did go on for a long time, though. No, I said, no, it, it went on for a long time. It went on for a couple of months. It went on for a couple of months. I think it had six months. Six Yeah. And, 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 um, six months. But even Bristol. So, Bristol, the first march, the one that everybody saw. Um, because of what occurred later on in the statue. Yeah, what was that like? Sorry, for you, for you as a Bristolian, like seeing that, that must have been so. I, I've spoken to other. Paul Dan was hilarious. I've, I, I've watched <laughs> other. I've watched other black Bristolians. I've spoken to other black Bristolians who talk about that moment. And they're like, it was quite cathartic because so many people have fought for that but, in the city. For me, for me, it's just well, you've actually done something, people. Yeah, yeah well finally, done. That's really finally, what it was. Finally, finally, you've done something. Does it matter? No. Are you mad? Yeah. No. He died three hundred years ago. I remember, <laughs> but this is the piece to, to do with it. Remember this, and this is what's been this is what's been sidetracked all along. People marched through the rape against racist police that we got here. Met police. Let's forget even starting there. Mm. Even Somerset police. Listen, but remember that's what that day was all about. It's about the police killing our children, our mm. parents, our cousins, our brothers, and our sisters, and not being made accountable. Um, we've just had Roy Hackett die in Bristol um, mm. last week. Um, civil rights campaign did lots of stuff, this, that, and the other. But they were instrumental in the Race Relations Act being created here. So we end up talking about racism, but racism is illegal. It's been illegal since 1968. Mm. So where's the charges for the police, the chief constables, the government, the this, and all these other places that can end up putting statistics on the wall and say, oh, you're 15 times more likely to be stopped than that young man, mm. son. Well, that's a crime. So who's being made accountable for that crime and who's being charged? The thing through the disparities through education. Well, that's a crime. If certain schools or in certain neighbourhoods, the teaching staff are meant to represent the neighbourhood. So for equal ops to be in place, which they all know about. So all these things have been put in place, but for some reason, the law is not being upheld. And this is how the conversations get taken to, back to the beginning. So also, let's talk about a slave trader from the yeah. 1700s. No, let's talk about the, the, the criminality of racism today mm-hmm. and no accountability. I don't want to hear no conversations about racism. Mm-hmm. I want to see prosecutions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. So just before we end, um, Charles, do you want to introduce the BBC show that you're the cargo part of and... 
dates, detail. Do we do? Do we have a date? I don't know. We got the twenty third of September. Twenty third of September, seven thirty. Might be your eye player the following day. Great. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be national. Then. And yeah. just tell the listeners a bit about what they should expect from from the show. So it's all. It's about our journey. It's how we met. And it's about us implementing our resources in schools. So it's really about the kids. You know, the kids steal the show. There, there's some amazing individuals in that film. So it's a half hour documentary about how our education resources are being used in schools and the teachers' reaction to those resources. Mm. Huge congratulations. You guys are such a Cargo classroom. That's what we look at. Cargo yeah. classroom. Cargo um, classroom. I'm just, yeah, so inspired. Honest, a classroom without walls. Yes. Incredible. Yeah. You guys are amazing. Listeners, you, that was that was a big treat. Big treat for big you. Treat, big, big treat. Big treat. Big treat. Um, listeners, if you're a patron, you can head over to Patreon now. Um, the guys are going to join us for another 10 minutes. Um, Ever listeners, thank you for staying with us and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Surviving Society with Chantal and Tiso. You can now continue the conversation with us on Twitter and Instagram. If you enjoy the podcast and find it useful for your ever-expanding sociological imagination, please support us via Patreon. If not, you can always support us by sharing, subscribing, rating and reviewing. 